Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, and welcome back to Invoking Witchcraft. I am one of your hosts, Jay Allen Cross, also known as at Oregon Wood Witch on Instagram, and I am here with... Britain, also known as Archaic Honey on the Instagrams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. Welcome. We have just been getting warmed up with some super duper sexy throat clearing here, just so that we can sound as hot as we can for you guys, because that's important to us. And speaking of hotness, we are indeed experiencing a heat wave. Where I am right now, it says that it is 111 degrees outside and will reach a peak of 117 degrees outside today. So global warming, what is up? How are you doing on your side of the state, Britain? It is warm. And, you know, I live in a high desert, as many of you may know and have heard me talk about. So these temperatures are kind of normal, but they're more normal around like August and September. This is we're in June. We're, we're not used to experiencing, you know, 100 plus degree days for like three days in a row. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there might be some listeners out there being like, just suck it up. Just deal with it. You know, like. Maybe our folks who live in the Southwest are like, yeah, that's nothing. But, you know, the thing is, is like Oregon and folks who live here, we don't have air conditioning for the most part in most homes. And we're we're just like our buildings are not used to this type of heat. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of folks out there with like medical issues or like the unhoused and things like that who are very vulnerable to this this unprecedented heat wave. I feel like that's been the word of the year is unprecedented. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm getting sick of it. Too much unprecedented stuff is happening now. I know. I know. So be mindful, you know, like when the big freeze happened in Texas and whatnot, you know, folks, they're just not used to that. So, you know, a lot of Midwesterners who moved to Oregon like to flip a lot of Portlanders off for not knowing how to drive in the snow or Oregonians in general. It depends on where you're at. And it's just like, be kind, be kind to people who are dealing with climate crisis and, you know, climate crisis is real Mm -hmm. and we're all dealing with the uh, impacts of it in different ways. So it's like, I hear that the Eastern States, the Southeastern States are getting tons and tons of rain and flooding and whatnot. And then we're out here with a a crazy drought. So it's just something Mm -hmm. to think about, you know, that folks in different areas aren't used to dealing with this kind of a heat wave. Like this is record setting heat wave. So just some compassion if you're leaning in that direction of being like, just (laughs) deal with it. The compassion is important, and especially because we are currently, as of now when we're recording, we are the week before the 4th of July, and everything is dry as a bone. There is not an ounce of moisture to be found outside, and we're hoping that people will lay off the fireworks. We will see. Last year, around this time, a lot of us were evacuated. Me and my family were evacuated for about a week. Um, and we were given just a couple hours notice, um, before that happened. And so we're looking at a pretty intense fire season here again this year. So we are stocked up on supplies. We are ready for it, but we're, we're hopeful that everything will go right this year, but we are prepared in case it won't. Um, Mm -hmm. and also this kind of brings me to the next thing, which is somebody made a post on Instagram that was so sweet. They were talking about how they had been going through, a difficult time lately. And our podcast was kind of helping them through it, that we were sort of there with them in a way. And I think that is so beautiful because, you know, as podcast hosts, we go out to a lot of different people and we find you in all kinds of places, like when you're doing work or when you're driving or or whatever it is that you're doing, or sometimes, you know, when you're going through a hard time. And I've been through some pretty difficult situations where podcasts were some of the only things that really 
you know, saw me through. They made me feel less lonely because I was there with people and there was conversation and stuff like that. So if you guys, anyone out there is going through a hard time, um, you know, we are here with you at least in some way. And I'm, I'm glad that we get to do that and kind of reach people. So if you're going through a hard time, just take a big deep breath and lower your shoulders and everything is going to be okay. Yes. Unclench your jaw. Just oh, relax. Yes. Unclench <laughs> your butt too. Oh yeah. Unclench that butt. Uh, I hold a lot of tension in my butt cheeks. Your booty. Uh, <laughs> Stressed out booty. Yeah. It's funny. Whenever uh, I've seen a couple of memes float around on the internet, like when I'm dealing with anxiety, you know, there's always, and I share, if I share that with people, there's always one person who's just like, just relax. Oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> just relax. <laughs> what even is that? What's it how, mean? How does one even attempt that? Oh gosh. Yes. But starting with the body is a good place. So that's wise of you, Jay, to say that. Like, yeah, relax yeah. your shoulders, unclench yeah. that jaw, take a deep breath. So I always for me, it's always like my deep internal core muscles are the ones that just like grab up really intensely. And I'm like, oh, oh, relax it. Relax it. You don't have to fight a monster. It's fine. We're just living. <laughs> yeah, we are. So what are we chatting about today? What's our topic? So today's topic is on deity work. We are going to be covering this idea. It's something that's kind of gained a lot of popularity um, over the last five, ten years or so. And it's become kind of a, a hot a hot topic for a lot of people in the community. And so we wanted to kind of give it a little discuss. And uh, But I do have a question for you right out of the shoot, Britain. Yeah. If you're going to be a witch in this world, must you have a patron deity? Is deity work absolutely necessary? No, it is not. It ain't. I don't think. Not at all. I don't think it is. Because, you know, a lot of witches, and to me, this is kind of like the core part of a witch's work, is spirit work. So Mm -hmm. we're not always working with deity, but we are working with spirit in some form or another. That could be with plants, rocks, you know, spirit of place. Uh, your your personal spiritual court, but it doesn't have to be a deity. You do not mm-hmm. have to be tied to a deity. But I know for some folks, um, they do like that. And I'm going to use a little 12 step speak here. They like to have that higher power, especially I noticed this with folks and for myself who came from a very Christian background where we had this like, this supreme being, as it were, um, to kind of anchor us in our practice. So you don't have to have a deity uh, to be working with, but also you can, and there's va- there's value on both sides there. Mm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, deity work isn't, wasn't really something that was classically part of what made up witchcraft. I think that that's sort of something that came with, you know, when the pagan community and the witchcraft community really kind of like teamed up and sort of became the same community for a really long time, then a lot Mm -hmm. of pagan gods and things like that got introduced from all over the world. And then that sort of got absorbed into witchcraft. And now that we're kind of pulling apart again, we're almost kind of pulling the pagan deities with us um, into witchcraft practice. And that's not to say that, you know, witches in the past didn't pray to or, you know, believe in deities or anything like that. But that's not necessarily... always part of what we called witchcraft and so that's something that we're seeing nowadays and it's really funny because i will see people online act like it is a natural step like okay i've i've learned my basics and and now it's time for me to find my deity like it's just like naturally there on the timeline and so if you're looking around like but i don't want to um you don't have to um Mm -hmm. but if you do want to there is actually a wide world out there um, my advice for you when looking for them is to find out, um, number one, if, if they are from a closed practice and if they are, maybe reconsider. But also if it's from an open practice, find out how the people from those cultures um, worked with them and venerated them and, and contacted them and things like that. Because that's there are hundreds, if not thousands of years of tradition when it comes to deities most of the time. And it's there to help you. Um, so I, I definitely, definitely recommend looking into that because you shouldn't have to start from scratch or reinvent the wheel. Right. And you know what I notice with a lot of new witches, it's like they're almost going shopping for a new deity. It's like, <laughs> I went that one. Well, yeah, let me just pick. 
<laughs> and, and, you know, I think it's a little more co- complicated than that, um, or a little more intricate than that. And the other thing that I also notice is like, it's, it's not, in my opinion, wise to approach working with a deity as though you're going shopping for a deity, like, mm-hmm. who's for me, like, you know, at the same time, I think I'm going to contradict myself here. I do see the value in that. Because if you are lost, and you you know that deity work is for you, you're going to put the vibe out. Um, but then it becomes a question of like, how do I know who is speaking to me? Uh, how do I know who is um, aligned with me and whatnot? Mm-hmm. And how to look out for those signs of like who you're drawn to and, and vice versa. They are then drawn to you. Um, so I like to think of it as like eroticism is not necessarily a sexual attraction. It's a mutual attraction between two things that have a, a sympathy for one another. So it's like when a plant draws your eye, there's a sympathetic attraction there. It's like they're reaching for you and you're reaching for them. Mm-hmm. So being mindful of that. So if like, you know, for me, the first deity I worked with was Hecate. And at first I was very, I'm going off on a tangent here, I suppose. I was a little unsure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't trust the process and whatnot. But the longer time went on, I was like, oh, this this is who this is. And I need Mm -hmm. to pay heed and I need to honor this. So those are just some things to think about when when you're first taking that little step into deity work. Absolutely. And we'll kind of dive into a few of these topics a little bit more deeply a little later on the episode. Um, But right now, kind of talking about our our experience with deity work, how did you so was was Hecate your first deity that you worked with? Mm -hmm. Yes, she was. Yeah, Yeah, that was the first one. um, First deity I worked with, and I had a long and intense relationship with Hecate. Uh, it started off in dreams. Um, I kept seeing snakes. I was being bitten by snakes in dreams. There were keys. There were torches, flames, mm. pathways, crossroads, all the things that are very <laughs> Hecatean. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, I was also one of hers uh, when I was first starting in the deity work. Um, and she was, she was great to work with. We had a wonderful relationship, but my practice definitely grew and expanded. And what was so funny is people are like, Oh my God, like, how did you end up as a Catholic witch? And I'm like, cause Hecate took me by the hand and brought me over to Catholicism and was like, here you go. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yes, goodbye. And I'm like, no, um, but, but it worked out perfectly. And for a long time, on my altar, I had her on the left side and the Holy Spirit on the right side, and it freaked a bunch of people out. But it really felt right for me during that time. And everyone seemed okay with it as well. There's kind of this idea that like, oh, all the gods hate one another and and, and can't be near each other. And in, and in some circumstances, that is correct, but it's not always the the only rule across the board. But that was how I worked for a while. And then she um, eventually was like, you good? And I'm like, I'm good. And then she took off. And now I'm here with all my saints and the Holy Spirit and whatnot. She seems to work in that manner. I notice mm-hmm. because that's sort of what happened to me was uh, I was, you know, just trucking along doing my Hecate things. And then sort of out of nowhere, she disappeared and became very distant. And one of her titles is also called the far darter or the one who works from afar. I was a little heartbroken, but I noticed what she does with new witches is that she is an initiator. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. She is a psychopomp. She moves you through the worlds. So I think she's very helpful uh, in that beginning phase of like getting oriented and whatnot mm. within witchcraft. Cause she is a goddess of witchcraft as well. And yeah. it's fascinating. I see that theme happening quite a lot. Um, and also just the acknowledgement of her general power and her, um, she's so prevalent in the community. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So 
this kind of brings us to a, a good topic in this one is is what is deity work like because i i think we were kind of talking about this before the episode that a lot of folks are getting set up for failure because of things like social media and especially tiktok where people are talking like they just light a candle and this ancient god materializes in their bedroom and they have a one-on-one talk with them and and it's all very close and very visceral but is is that the truth? Has has that ever happened to you in your in your deity work? Um, you know, not often. It didn't happen often, but it happened occasionally. Um, mm-hmm. where I, you know, I was so like, I don't want to say so dedicated, but so hungry for that connection with my deity and with Hecate that um, I had a a nightly at dusk because the liminal liminal hours are her hours. I had a practice of going deep into meditation and and doing trance work during that time. And so I got to establish a fairly good connection with her. And there was a couple of times where she came in just like, like full force. And it was scary. She is scary. (laughs) Yeah, she will smack you. She will. And so often I would hear, you know, like all the dogs in the neighborhood would start barking before she would come um, because dogs are also sacred to her. And um, but, you know, I wouldn't like just light a candle and like say a prayer and she'd show up every time. You know, it, it was like it's it's subtle deities and gods. They they got shit to do. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. They're out here holding the multiverse together. They're not going to stop in and necessarily have tea with people. And so, and and when these experiences happen, they are often kind of in that trance state where you are maybe going to them instead of them coming to you. And it's not, it's, it's, it's not like the movies where they just kind of like appear. Um, I, I will get some very sharp messages from them or very clear messages or what I call kind of downloads where I'm trying to think of a specific, um, circumstance but um but no it will happen like i'll occasionally be at the altar and i'll suddenly kind of get this like oh okay i understand this thing now or or some sort of message will come through um but it's it's not it's there's <laughs> there's this thing on social media right now where people are like dating or, or or marrying their deities um which is like the scariest thing ever um i saw one girl saying that um Hades was her husband and he liked her more than Persephone. And I was like, Ooh, careful girl. (laughs) The last one who tried that got turned into some mint. So. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I'm concerned. You you don't fuck, you don't fuck around with Persephone's man. She will, she will throw hands and you will not like it. Right. Yeah. I've seen that before too. The, uh, being, uh, God bothered, uh, the, the folks who, and, and it's not to say it isn't real, um, but being married to a deity was something that I felt uh, was rather ego driven. A little like, bit. Maybe a little bit, but at the same time, I, I'm not one to say this is how you should experience deity. Not saying mm-hmm. that at all, um, because maybe that is true for some folks, but it does kind of bring it kind of um, it raises a lot of questions for me. It does. And there's like a, a big difference because I, I believe in some African traditions, I, I might be wrong. There, there is something where you essentially do marry a specific spirit and then are tied to them and therefore have certain rules about like um, where you sleep and, and, and foods you eat and, and whatnot is, mm-hmm. is kind of tied to that. But that, that one makes more sense Whereas a lot of what I'm seeing on social media is kind of like that, that one medium or whatever, who, who's married to Michael Jackson, the ghost. So <laughs> some of those I'm like, oh, okay, there is, there is, you know, making a very devout commitment to a spirit. And then there is just straight up delusion. And I think that that's something that a lot of people kind of toe the line with when it comes to deity work is, you know, is this actually happening or is this something I really want to happen to cover up something else I'm not dealing with? Um, mm-hmm. So whenever we do deity work, we also we always need to approach it from a very clear, stable headspace, too. It's very yes. important. And, you know, that's the other thing about deity work is it can kind of drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. So discernment. We talk about discernment a lot on this podcast. Because it's so important. 
Very important. Um, having discernment when doing deity work and learning with time and practice how to differentiate your voice, your desires from that of the deity. Mm-hmm. Um, but then kind of like, um, I'm going to bounce around here a little bit, going back to um, deity marriage and like deity as lover. I do see that more frequently with spirit work, mm-hmm. um, like spirit lovers. Um, I see that as quite common um, amongst uh, witches and whatnot, which is a very private practice, but it's, uh, it's fascinating. I wish I, I would love to see a kind of a, an anonymous book of folks' experience with spirit lovers. So by spirit not lovers, are we talking like, um, like spectrophilia, like ghosts lovers, or like um, higher than that, like, um, like I guess higher lower than deity that. kind of spirits? Lower deity kind of spirits. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like say there's a deity in, or a deity, sorry, a spirit in your spiritual court. Uh, some, mm-hmm. a de- or a, gosh, I keep mixing my words up. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> There's a spirit that you work with who it becomes a lover type relationship. Mm. Curious about that. Interesting. I've never thought about that. I mean, I've always kind of had a little bit of a thing for St. Christopher. I'm not going to lie, but I haven't like thought about shooting my shot with St. Christopher. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm over here waggling my eyebrows furiously, (laughs) y'all. Britain thinks I should go for it. Yeah, you should. I I don't know how to explain that to my husband. (laughs) But he's seven feet tall and he died a thousand years ago. It's fine. It's fine. We'll work it out. We'll have our own show on TLC. So how does one wind up with a a deity you know we were kind of talking about this this earlier about you know do do we go shopping for one do we just pick do they pick us like how how do we how do we end up with with a deity huh great question i think it's so individual for mm-hmm. each person because some folks, you know, do feel called to deity work, but they don't know who is right for them. So they do go, you know, metaphorically shopping for a deity. Um, but what I notice in what I've experienced in being commu- in communication with other witches and doing this work is they will start experiencing things. They'll start seeing themes. They'll notice like when you're reading and I'm even going to go as far as to say that the algorithm on our smartphones is a magical tool Um, because out of nowhere, I'll have themes pop up that I haven't even thought of or like searched or anything like alder is one of Mm -hmm. my favorite trees will suddenly just start showing up out of, out of nowhere on my social media. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, okay, alder speaking (laughs) to me. So I think the same thing can happen to deity Mm -hmm. um, where they just start popping up everywhere. And you start having these occurrences. So an interesting occurrence that I had with Hecate that would be like a sign. You know, I was asking for signs. Is this right for me? Um, I was walking down the street in Portland in my old neighborhood. And there was a really cool occult, kind of occulty themed antique shop. Um, It was very dusty. And the owner was like a raging alcoholic. It was just a Sounds like Portland. (laughs) Yeah, classic situation. And I happened to walk by one day and I found a plaque, a vintage plaque that said Hecate on it. And it had like a cornucopia with a moon falling out of it and like fruit and everything. Uh So I went in and I was like, I'm buying it. I don't care how much it costs. And I did research on the plaque and it came from a ship, the USS Hecate. And it was a deep, it was a deep research vessel that had been decommissioned. I know I'm getting chills thinking about this. Do you still have it? I do. <gasps> you have to send me a picture and I'll post it on the Instagram. I will. Yes. So, cause this show is really kind of interestingly about her. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I was not expecting this, but interesting. Yes. <laughs> right. So, you know, that was a clear sign. I was like, I I was almost in disbelief. I was like, how is this even possible to find this plaque of of all things, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I put it on my altar, of course. 
And yeah, that's kind of what happened there. Interesting. Yeah. And I agree very much, especially when they start kind of popping up all over the place, you have dreams about them and whatnot. And I do actually agree with the algorithm thing um, to a certain extent. If you are constantly typing into your search engine and all over the place, the the name of your deity, and then it starts showing up in the algorithm, that's probably why. But if you didn't even have them on the brain and suddenly they start kind of popping up everywhere, that is a, a possible sign. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's important to talk about too, is not just one of these things means that they are reaching out to you. It's kind of a, a culmination of, of events that where they kind of pop up. So for instance, I have people who who come to me who are like, oh, I saw, I you know, I keep seeing this deity on my phone or like I saw um, a couple of crows outside of my apartment. Therefore, that's, you know, the Morrigan wants to work with me or, or whatever it is like. And it's like, OK, maybe, but we need we need more than that. Like, is it a series of events? Is it um, or, or do the events really come with a deep feeling to them? Because sometimes when we get signs, like, for, for instance, sometimes my spirits will send me signs by leaving, you know, dimes or, or pennies around that I find. And sometimes I walk over, walk around and, you know, I find dimes and pennies. I'm like, no, that's not it. And other times I see one and it comes with a feeling where it's like, oh, that one is one of the dimes, um, you know, from that. So understanding that, you know, not just, you know, a small coincidence things, but when it's in a string, when it starts to get weird, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. when you want to to kind of um, start looking in that direction. A lot of the times, um, I don't I don't often take being drawn to a spirit as good enough proof that that spirit is interested in you. Always, I think it's a good start. Um, I think it, it means that maybe you should maybe look in that direction. Um, but I find a lot of people being like, oh, well, I'm drawn to this thing. Therefore it's mine. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I would like people to pump the brakes on that a little bit. I, I, I have a line in my book where I say, I am drawn to Jason Momoa. That doesn't mean he wants me in his house. I gotta, you know, the deity thing has to go both ways or else you're just kind of stalking the divine. And then that gets weird a little bit. Right. Yeah. I think we've mentioned Jason Momoa a couple of times on this podcast and, uh, he he will find me one day. Yeah, he will. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We can share. I'll be fine. Speaking of our show on TLC. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that kind of brings us to kind of the next thing, the talking about, um, how do you know if a DD wants to work with you? And I, one thing I want to touch on real quick, just because it's something before we move on is I see this a lot where people are like, Oh, I found out which deity wants to work with me based off of um, a card. I pulled out of an Oracle deck of deities. And I'm like, okay, is, is there a card that says nobody or please try again later or anything like that? Or is it just a pack of deities and you pull one at random? Cause you are going to get one, <laughs> you know, right. whether that deity is actually agreeing to work with you or not. If you, if you pull from a pile of deities, you're, you're going to get one. And so that's something to be concerned about. Also, depending on which types of spirits you're going to work with, they don't always speak through certain types of divination. So we're seeing a lot of people being like, Oh, well, I'm a child of Oshun because somebody did a tarot reading for me and mm-hmm. said so. But classically, the Orisha don't speak through tarot. They have their own divination systems that they use for that, um, which are important to uh, to respect and kind of follow that protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, I would not rely on the Oracle deck or the tarot deck to, to point to the deity. You might be able to use them to confirm but that wouldn't be something that I, I lean on for this work. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. And, you know, like that you made such a good point. Yeah. Is there a please try again or nobody card? You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't go for an Oracle deck to find out who is the deity for you. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, using tarot can be helpful in receiving a message from the deity. You could ask and see if they show up in the cards. But again, like Jay was saying, depending on the tradition and the deity and all of that, they may not be aligned with tarot. Like I've had some deities who are like, yeah, I'll, I'll work with you in tarot. 
And then I have other deities who are like, mm, I'll work with you in bones or in dreams or something mm. like that, um, where they just kind of make a hard line about how and where they're going to communicate with me and vice versa too, as well. Like having boundaries is kind of what I'm speaking to there. Yeah, that makes sense. And and I, I like what you're talking about too, about having to adapt to the needs of spirit. Because I think that that's a really important thing, especially when it comes to deity work. In modern times, people don't want to follow any sort of set formula for deity work. And, and that sometimes concerns me a little bit because people like to say, um, you know, I, I'm trying to find a specific example. So this happens a lot with La Santa Muerte, where people are like, oh, she looks awesome. I'm drawn to her. Therefore, she's now my spirit. But I'm going to take away the part of her that's connected with Catholicism. I'm also going to take away the part of her that seems too scary for me. I'm going to edit the story so that I'm comfortable with it and change the veneration completely so that I'm comfortable with it. And when, we, when it comes to spirit work or, or deity work, we have to realize it is no longer about us. It is about them. And that's something that's really important. And that's why I'm talking about in the beginning, you know, pe people find foreign deities and then don't take any time to find out what their traditions are, what the customs are, how did they, were they classically um, worked with or evoked or, you know, any of this stuff. And so going that extra mile of finding out what it is that your deity actually likes or is about is really important. Because if someone came up to me on the street and was like, hi, I've decided that you're helping me now, um, but I'm going to need you to not be gay. Um, I'm going to need you to be uh, white. And I'm going to bring you foods that you classically just don't like. And you're going to be totally okay with it. I'd be like, get out of here. <laughs> and be like, who are you? A lightning bolt straight to the butt. Right? <laughs> So, and, and don't be afraid of, of academic resources either when it comes to this, like, you know, mm -hmm. anthropology, how did ancient people handle this? Cause that's important information to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that kind of touches in on reconstructionism. So there are folks who identify as uh, reconstructionists. They essentially utilize academic and archeological research to reconstruct their practice and whatnot. And it can even veer into, I would say, religious work as well. And I did dip my toes into Hellenic Reconstructionism for a little while in an effort to understand Hecate better mm -hmm. um, and to understand how best to venerate her and work with her. Um, so that realm of academic research and whatnot is really helpful and a really great path to go down. Um, it, sometimes it can be dry reading, but give yourself some time and space to really do that research. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of pretty much any pantheon of of gods and deities um, does have probably a reconstructionist group around them. So that could be helpful. Yeah. And if you like the Hellenic reconstructionism and or the Hecate stuff, um, I definitely recommend and this is the only time you'll ever hear me recommend a TikTok. Um, their handle is at BatCaveFreak, and they do a wonderful job of, you know, doing academic research to find out how any of this worked and then trying to reconstruct it. Um, so it's, it's really fascinating, and I, I do highly recommend that. So what happens if you are drawn to a deity and they are from a closed practice? <gasps> what do we do? Dun, dun, dun. What do we do? Okay, this happened to me with Oshun. Mm -hmm. um, I had gotten a reading, a geomantic reading. Um, I think it was referred to, and please, somebody's got to be out there to correct me if I'm wrong. And I'm probably going to get hate mail for this. Adafa in Ifa. So, so I'm, I'm sure I'm probably butchering this, but um, I, and it was a long, long, long time ago. That's why I'm forgetting. So I had an experience through a reading with an initiate of Ifa that kind of led me down this path of Oshun. And I started doing a lot of research around her. And I was in a bookstore. This, ha this happened sometimes. I was in a bookstore in Eugene. 
Oregon. And I found a super rare pamphlet about Oshun from Ooh. written by an initiate. And it was, it was just utterly fascinating. It was really, really cool. It was beautiful. And, um, so I went as far as I could and then I stopped mm-hmm. because I'm not an initiate. I'm not going to be initiated in IFA. Um, and it's not for me to push that boundary, uh, of like getting initiated. Plus, um, I would have have to have gone to Brazil and it's like, it just doesn't. And I live here in, in the Northwestern States. Like it just doesn't, when you get initiated, you become part of a family. You know, it's like not a thing you go do and get an initiation notch in your belt mm-hmm. and you're done. You know, there's like continued work with the community. It's also about service. Mm-hmm. So it's a commitment. Um, yeah. So I like pumped the brakes, did the, you know, did all the research that I could, um, venerated her in ways that I was told was uh, allowed through somebody who was initiated and a priest more or less. Mm-hmm. And, um, I went that route and, um, and then, you know, I kind of hit a wall and I was like, okay, this is, this is the end of the road for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned a lot. Yeah. And yeah. That's a beautiful story. And I really like some of the key points in it, because this is something that I, I find people get wrong a lot when it comes to deity work is they look at a spirit like Oshun and they're like, yeah, I got Beyonce's lemonade album. I'm down with Oshun. And then they, see suddenly this big obstacle of initiation where you have to find somebody who is part of the tradition to kind of let you into it. And then there's initiation, there's travel involved, there's training involved, there is important things that are hard to accomplish. There's things like, I mean, with Santeria, there's like, um, there's like a year you have to spend in white. And there's, um, someone posted this thing too, that was about they couldn't use certain utensils for eating to um, all kinds of stuff, but this shows really strong commitment. And so it's really important. But what a lot of people are doing these days is they're going, oh, I really love Oshun. I've decided that they're my spirit and um, I can't afford to go somewhere for initiation or there's no one around to do it for me. So we're just going to skip that and act like it doesn't matter. And that's where we get into some really, really dangerous territory. Um, mm-hmm. because these spirits are not always very calm. Sometimes these spirits can be very harsh. Um, sometimes they will get you. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. we need to very much be respectful of these cultures and these traditions and these spirits and, and do it the right way. And if you are unable to do it the right way, then we have to maybe swallow the fact that uh, that is not for us. And that's also okay because there's a whole wide world of other things that are for us that we can participate in. And a lot of people come up against this initial resistance and can't handle being kind of told no. Um, and so I think it's really important to that you recognize that. And that's a wonderful example for a lot of people where it's like, Hey, this is as far as I go with this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you learned great things and it was a cool experience and all that. But at the end of the day, it's just not something that's for you. And, and I think that's a really important lesson and then going on to what is for you right yeah when when i hit that that roadblock you know the thing that happens is like when you're interacting with a deity and it's new it's like you're you get that new relationship energy you're filled with passion you want to just absorb all the information i mean that at least has happened for me and we can get a little blinded by that passion to know more and experience that, that depth of connection and whatnot. And it's, it's wise, it's fun. And I'm not saying don't get into that, like deep, passionate craze that we can get into, but also being able to pull back and be like, okay, you know, find your center, get sent, you know, get centered and, and orient yourself in a way where you know, whether or not it, it is for you because it turned out it was not for me. Um, and I, that was not a path that I could go down, but it was a, it was a side trail, you know, it's like we're on the path of life (laughs) and it's, it's a nice, 
not one doesn't have to be straight path, (laughs) especially for witches. It's a very crooked path. But sometimes we take side trails, we have to take a little detour to get to our destination or to continue walking our path. And we're still on the path. We're just on a on a rabbit trail. We're just like exploring the territory. Mm -hmm. So that's just something to think about. That is, I love that. That's perfect. So here's a question too, because I have run across this many different times. Is a deity your spirit guide? I'm going to say no on that one. I think that they can guide you spiritually. Yes. But them being your spirit guide is different. I have had a few people come up to me and be like, oh, we're just going to stick with ocean because it's what's on my brain. People come up to me a lot and be like, oh, so I had an oracle reading and ocean is my spirit guide. And I'm always like, whoa, hold up right there. <laughs> like, Right. No, that's not necessarily how that works. Though they, they may sometimes feel like it. They may guide you. They may give you advice, um, things like that. But it's not the same function or role. Right. So then what would... So what my where my brain is going is I'm thinking of Native American and indigenous traditions of working with the spirit guide in that way. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. about the appropriative because like, you know, one day I was out shopping. And I got to it was like a thrift store in Eugene, of course, and Eugene is just for the context, y'all is a very hippie place. And the person behind the counter looked at me and they're like, so who's your spirit animal? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not indigenous. I don't (laughs) (laughs) know. You're like, there's so much wrong with everything you just asked me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I was just like, "Mm, no, no. But so what do you think about that? I'm curious, like. About the spirit animal thing? Or a spirit guide. Like, I guess the definition. Sorry, I'm kind of going off on a tangent. Um, I I don't think. That spirit guides are specifically Native American. I, I do know that that is part of um, Native American spirituality, but I, I do believe that there is others. But now that I think about it, to be honest, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. In in a lot of my my psychic training, we talk a lot about spirit guides and connecting with them and working with them. And from what I've been able to experience, pretty much everybody has a spirit guide. Um, but I don't know, culturally speaking, where exactly the the idea of spirit guides comes from. Um, but we, we have very similar things in a lot of different cultures where there is kind of a spirit that assists us or your guardian angel or or right. things like that um, that are that are kind of adjacent to the spirit guide idea. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just curious about that. Um, Because I, yeah, I guess it's more, I'm curious more, yeah, about the the origins of that word and whatnot. And you hit a, you made a good point there about the origins of the word. But no, I do not feel that the the deity is your spirit guide. They can, like you said, they can guide you spiritually. Um, But I think more of spirit guide as being kind of like a, uh, like you said, a holy guardian angel or a spirit that you're working with um, that is guiding you. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think that that can fluctuate and change. Um, I do feel there are spirits that are with us from birth that do guide us through life and whatnot. Um, But I do, in my experience, they have changed. Yeah. Yeah. And my, uh, the, this, the guide that I work with um, isn't indigenous. She's, she used to be alive in the UK a while ago and she's a human spirit that's on the other side that guides. Um, So I don't know if if that lends any credence to it, but um, Mm. just personal experience. So kind of wrapping up here, what are some of the best ways to honor and venerate whatever deity we end up sort of working with? Do you have any, mm-hmm. uh, any go-tos that you like or? Um, kind of circling back to something that you had mentioned earlier about doing academic research. Uh, I think that that's a really good avenue for understanding your deity um, with the scope that isn't necessarily like UPGs or unverified personal gnosis Mm -hmm. from the community, because that's, it's unverified, you know, and that's like a person's personal experience. However, you can get like that collective UPG and Mm -hmm. that can be really helpful. Like I do see that within the community and Hecate a lot. 
and whatnot. Like a lot of the books written by Sortita Diestas. Is that their yeah, name? I, th- I think it's Sorita Diestas, I think. Um, yeah, she has a couple books. Right. They have some awesome books that are like people who work with her and like their experiences and whatnot. And then it kind of like meshes into this whole picture that's really, really cool. Um, but that academic research is really good. And you can find um, great research out there. Excellent. I have a couple of academic books on Hecate that are really great. One is written by Sarah Johnson Isles. Um, and it's really, really cool book. Uh, highly recommend. But be prepared to spend a pretty penny on academic books um, in that realm. They can be expensive. Yeah. And you can sign up for some online um, platforms. I, I think it's Scribd where you can pay like a certain amount a month and then get access to a bunch of different um, books and also support your local library. You can get a lot of these, these books through the library or you can have them kind of sent to your library from a different library. Um, so don't, don't forget about our library system, especially when it comes to academic research. And I think it's so important to do that research because again, people, tons of people came before you and worked with the spirit. And so there's so much information out there that you can just learn right out of the shoot. And then I think that that really shows not only are you willing to do the work, but also, it's, it's nice to be able to learn things like, oh, well, this deity likes these types of offerings. So again, I, I always like to put these things in real world human interaction things. If someone wanted my help and came up to me and was like, hi, I found out that you really like, you know, apple pie or whatever it is. So I made you one versus like, hi, I brought you this thing that like you might be allergic to because certain spirits and deities there are taboo things that like you don't put in their spaces or their altars or things like that. So doing that research really helps you not only get to know them, but also get to know things that you shouldn't do as well. Um, things that are considered, you know, taboo. Right. Yeah, definitely. What else, what would be like a next step in deity work? Well, after you do that research, then you can probably go on to building an altar or a space for them. Um, but again, this is why the academic research is important because sometimes certain spirits, their altars have to be on the floor or near a door or facing a certain direction. Um, It's not always just like a table in your bedroom that you can use. Um, But once you kind of know what you're dealing with, how they have to be worked with, then you can go to build space for them in your home usually. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, building an altar is really fun. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a good way to get creative and it creates a focal point for you to connect with the deity and um, be able to listen to them. So they'll give you information about what they want and what they like. And then you can like add that to the altar as well. And then, you know, like the story that I shared about finding that Hecate plaque, things like that will happen in your deity work. You'll find things that are aligned with them that you can begin adorning your altar with, and it will build and build and become quite beautiful. Mm, I love that. So I think the last one we have here for advice is to also speak with other devotees. Mm -hmm. Um, And that way too, like, you know what, like if you have UPG, sometimes you can run it by somebody else and be like, did you pick this up too? Sometimes the answer is no. Other times people are like, oh my gosh, yes. And then you guys can have a conversation about it and kind of compare notes. And, and, and that's a really unique experience. Plus you can hear about other people, um, how, how they work with them, how they venerate them, um, what they've had success with and what they haven't. Um, it's all just good information to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connecting to a broader community can be really, really helpful. And um, with most deities, you can find a community somewhere Um, Social media is a great place to look for other folks who venerate a deity. And um, I mean, I think forums and like forums and whatnot are kind of a thing of the past on the Internet. (laughs) Now we have um, Discord, which is kind of turned into the same thing. I'm like, is it the 90s again? (laughs) Right. Yeah. And Tumblr, too. Uh, that's kind of a thing of the past, but I noticed in those communities, there was a lot of uh, deity talk and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can find folks and connect with them and have conversations like Jay was saying, and you'll be able to run things by them and just be in conversation with other folks. Isn't there, I don't want to use the word church, but isn't there like a big national Hecate 
organization, something like the the Church of Hecate or the Covenant of Hecate. I'm trying to remember. It. I think there is, but there's the rite of her sacred fires that happens. I think once a year on one of her celebratory dates that I want to say Jason Miller is a part of. Mm. I have heard great and, things about his, his classes about her. Yes. Jason Miller. If you're looking for a great way to get an introduction into witchcraft and magical work, uh, Jason Miller's book, The Sorcerer's Secrets. And then I think he's got another book titled Protection and Reversal Magic. Really great foundational books. They're wonderful. Mm-hmm. They were some of the first books that I got my hands on early on my path and really awesome stuff. Yeah, I have the Protection and Reversal book and it's very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great dude. And uh, his classes and whatnot, I just hear rave reviews about them. I've never taken them, but I've heard really good things. So it's so funny that this show kind of ended up being about Hecate. Maybe she's speaking to us. <laughs> Maybe. I have I have been feeling a feel lately about that. So so we'll see. She might be coming back for us here. Right. <laughs> cool. Alrighty, everyone. This has been a really fun episode, and we hope this gives you a little bit of guidance on stepping into the realm of deity work. Absolutely. And until next time, remember... Do witchcraft. Do it. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.